Good evening, this is Tomorrow Christian Today, reading Galatians 5. But first we pray. Dear Lord, this is a book, the first book I've ever read in the Bible, where I was really searching. I had read verses and had doctrines, pre preconceived ideas from other people, but you're okay. But now I remember, Lord, this was the book that I started reading for me. I wanted to know the truth. I was hungry for a different truth. And I think my soul and my mental health depended on it. And I guess it brings back memories. And the law is an important thing. It was an aspect of learning. But this began to unhinge me that maybe I was in the wrong system, a system that you had torn down through your son, Jesus Christ. So help us, Lord, as we read this. Help us to have respect for the law, but to know that to remove us from law, a perfect son, a perfect human being who never sinned and who did not deserve death, died for many, so that the many, believing in him, would live in your presence forever. It's powerful. We need to have respect. And we love you. And we don't serve you the way we should. And I know that's true in my case. So Lord, bless us now as we read your word and help us, Lord, transform us and pull us out of sin. We pray in the name of Jesus, amen. I went to a barbecue today. You know, I have a director, um, my work, and every summer they put on this summer fest and it was very nice. You know, they invite us to their house. They have a nice, beautiful backyard and, you know, we're not allowed to feed the dogs, but the dogs keep looking at us and drink Coke and chatted about everything and beautiful weather is always beautiful and uh, you know I'm just looking around at people that you know sometimes I mean since COVID everybody didn't see each other but now everybody's starting to emerge and we're sort of going to our building once a week and I had some nice conversations with people but sadly you know I was wearing my hat it says God's army and the the lady came around and took a picture and I, t I took my hat off just so I could um comb my hair and I joked around oh my hair is a mess and said yeah we you know we don't want to have any um stuff with HR and I thought oh my my cat must say God's army like they could see it and I'm thinking you know I wanted the truth and I read God's word because I didn't feel happy I didn't feel settled and yet when I read God's word and it means so much to me and I see the people go through their lives and it's like what's in the bible doesn't have any meaning for them it, there's nothing there's no relevance to their life they're not interested in reading it or knowing about god and church is not something they would even consider they might say oh that's good and good for you if you if you were to say you go to church right or they might think you're trying to wump them over the head with the bible or religion or you know bible thumper kind of thing which i don't really want to come across as but i don't want to be a coward for jesus either i don't want to ever mention him but like, I was just amazed that, like, that must have caught her eye. And she joked around with me. It wasn't any kind of a judgment. She said, we don't want to incur any HR stuff. And I'm thinking, it wasn't about my hair. It was about what was on that cap. It said, God's army. And I used to wear that cap. It's my only cap that I have. And when I first started studying, I used to wear it. And there's, there was this guy in my work. He was like a Java programmer, very smart guy. And I used to wear that cap just to bug him because he was an atheist. But he was nice about it. He would kind of, you know... Uh, he wouldn't mock my faith in a rude kind of way, but he would kind of sarcastically jab me. And I wore the cap just to spite him, of course. But it is kind of sad. I just feel like... I just feel like a leftover apple in this world. Like I don't really belong. I don't belong anywhere. 
I don't really belong to any race of people. I, I'm glad I'm in the church. Don't really have a family. You know, other people got families, and I'm just kind of this, you know, bumbling rock. I mean, some of the younger guys, I don't know what their story is, if they got girlfriends or whatever. And boy, you know, Jesus was right. You know, if you believe in Him, you may have peace in your heart, but you'll you'll be the odd man out. You'll be the odd woman out. Let me read. Freedom in Christ. So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Well, you know, it's funny how he was talking to the Galatians, Paul was. And it's funny how the devil tries to use the law. Like the law is God's, you know, law rules. And yet the, the devil brings it back and he puts it in front of people. Right? He puts it in front of people. And they kind of pick it back up again where God said, I want you to tear down the gates of this and I want you to go to the new covenant. Because that's what Jesus says in 1 Corinthians 11. I'm making a new co covenant in my blood and in my broken body. Like Jesus is making a new covenant. And I just saw a girl on YouTube, on sorry, YouVersion, and she was talking about a covenant. What is a covenant? And she was um, referencing the verse where... God shows love to thousands of generations. And he says, making a covenant with thousands of generations to those that love me. And then there's a picture of two hands flying together and doing a handshake. That's a covenant. It's a contract. It's an agreement between us and God. And, you know, the law feels like, okay, we got to do it. But then God says, you know, if you do it, you get blessings. If you don't do it, you get a, you, you get a penalty. And then the new covenant is Jesus did it. And he gives us grace. And it's not by works, and yet somehow it's still the new covenant, it's still the new contract. We have to do. We have to let God's grace play out in our actions, you know. And it's a, it's a, it's a covenant. It's, but it's the new covenant that we're supposed to adhere to, not the old one. Listen, I, Paul, tell you this: if you are counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. So it's like Paul was saying: if you're going back to the old covenant, then the new covenant is not going to be any good for you. What, if you're going back to the old covenant, what do we need the new covenant for? And he's saying, don't do that. But that's somehow the default. You know, that's somehow the default. We, we sort of go back to that rules. We'll just have these rules and that's how we'll, we'll, we'll uh, stick to God. I'll say it again. If you're trying to find God, favor with God by being a circumcised, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. If you, for if you're trying to make yourselves right with God, by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. So the, the church that I have, they've fallen away. They think that they're serving Christ, but they've actually cut themselves off because they've gone back to an outdated contract, a contract that has been null and voided. Can you believe this? And they think they're doing right. And this man, Paul, was saying in Galatians, that's wrong. And again, I'm picking on the poor Hebrew roots movement people. Like, it's wrong. Why are you doing that? Maybe it seems like I'm calling you out. And, and, and I think a lot of the Hebrew Roots people probably started out in church and they figured church was very loose. You know, they, you know, like that guy said, you know, he was in church and he saw some people would come to church and they came late and they didn't have their Bible and their hair wasn't combed. He started looking around at people and he said, well, this can't be right. And then him and his wife kind of dropped out of the church. And then all of a sudden he starts studying with the students like, yeah, we got to pick this up. We got to pick up this Hebrew roots. We got to pick up this old covenant. I'm not trying to bash Hebrew roots people. 
I've never had a debate with Hebrew Roots, but I've seen I've seen videos where guys talking. I really like the dude. He's got comments where people are sort of arguing with him. I don't hate him. I just I think that this Galatians five totally says um, without any doubt that what you're doing is wrong by going backwards. You're regressing. You've you've cut yourself off God's grace, which Jesus purchased on the cross. It's not for you to do nothing. It's for you to go higher. It's actually higher than the law. But we who live by the Spirit eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness God has promised to us. For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there is no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. You're doing something because you want to, not because you have to. You are running the race so well. Who has held you back from following the truth? It certainly isn't God, for he is the one who called you to freedom. This false teaching is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough. I am trusting the Lord to keep you from believing false teachings. God will judge that person, whoever he is, who has been confusing you. So, you know, I would say that a, a false teacher, a, a cursed teacher, brought the people that I grew up with back to the law. But here he doesn't really curse the person. He says, God's going to judge that. Well, he says that about the person in the Galatia church. But so many people over the course of history have done this. They have pulled people back to the law. And the people pulled back to the law, grew up in it, don't really read their Bible to verify, and are so conditioned, and they think that they're doing right. Oh, we're obeying God. That's why we go to church on the Sabbath. You have no idea if, if uh, what day is the Sabbath. And, and this passage is saying, if you get it wrong, so you're going to church on Saturday thinking the Saturday is the Sabbath because you want to keep the whole law. And meanwhile, the Sabbath is say really on Thursday. Let's just say, let's say, let's say somehow it got missed by the Jews in history. And the Sabbath day of Exodus 20 verses 8 is actually Thursday. Well, you're guilty of breaking the law, even though you don't think you are, because you got it wrong. With the law, you have to get it right. There's no room for, oh, I didn't know. Okay, there's no mercy. There's no mercy in the law. You do it right or you don't do it. You know, the only analogy I can think of, yeah, it sounds like Bob Evans down on the farm. You we do it right or we don't do it. Well, I tell you, if you go up to a building and I'm not telling anybody to do this, I'm just telling you to think, do not do this. And you want to cast yourself down. You're feeling really, really good. Gravity equals 9.8 meters per second squared, no matter what's going on between your ears. You're going to get yourself killed when you step off that roof. Okay, gravity doesn't care what you feel like it or if you've accomplished something great at work or you've just won the lottery for $15 million and you're on top of the world and you're on cloud nine and you're going to go uh, to work the next day and tell your boss, hey, I'm done with the job. You can take this job and blank. You know what I mean? Gravity doesn't care because once you step off, gravity's going to grab hold of your two feet. And unlike the cartoons where Wiley Coyote runs off the cliff, keeps running and then says, uh-oh, I'm, I'm, but he's like five feet away from the cliff. And then he goes, mother. And then he starts to fall down really fast. And he's got an umbrella there, mother. And he crashes. But then in the next scene he lives, you ain't going to live. It's the law. The law is unforgiving. The law is not merciful. You get it wrong, you're dead meat. That's not mercy and grace. That's the law. 
And Paul is saying, don't do that. Don't think like that. Don't go to that system. Don't approach God with rules and practices and rituals that are loveless and pointless. Dear brothers and sisters, if I were still preaching that you must be circumcised, as some say I do, why am I being persecuted? If I were no longer preaching salvation to the cross of Christ, no one would be offended. I just wish that those troublemakers who want to mutilate you by circumcision, circumcision would mutilate themselves. So he's saying it's not a very good thing, right? He's saying that it's kind of not good uh, because it's like a mutilation. And I guess maybe we're talking about, you know, when you're an adult man, it's like, oh, God doesn't love me unless I be, obey him. So I have to like circumcise myself and I'm a grown man. And that's a painful thing. And I do remember in the Bible, we had studied that. And Abraham got circumcised when he was 99 years old. Like, ouch. You know, Paul is saying that's not necessary anymore. It's the new covenant. It's changing the heart. It's the circumcision of the heart. Again, speaking metaphorically, God is going to cut out the sin out of your heart, out of your way of thinking, out of the operating system of your mind, of your soul. And he's going to put in his operating system of love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, self-control. Circumcision was just a physical sign. It was a concrete physical um, teaching tool. It was a symbol of um, the antitype of the reality where God is going to change our hearts. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. I don't think it's just freedom to do whatever you want. I don't think that's what Paul was saying. I think it's disciplined love. But it's freedom that we don't have to, you don't have to do all these things. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. So you can't really live as you please. There's still a disciplined freedom. Like talk about freedom of the press. Like you can say whatever you want. But it was like, you know, people just take the freedom and they just do the terriblest, worst things to each other like say hard things like are you allowed to have freedom to say something about somebody and destroy their reputation and slander them like that's not freedom you could because you say something like that somebody could take you to court and then you know what you you can get sued like f with certain freedom with great power uh, that's a spider-man slogan with great power comes great responsibility more freedom means more responsibility more control more discipline for the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Wow. That's from Leviticus 19 verses 8. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. I, I'm just amazed at social media. It's so, it's so negative. Anti-social media. Everybody hates everybody today. Like the guy was saying, just get off Twitter and just go and enjoy your life. Just go, you know, people are still nice in the real world. Yeah, it's some guy on YouTube, he's got a channel, you know, he's gone out, built himself a house, you know, there's no there's no wife in, in sight. And he's saying, you know what, I, he went somewhere and he said he's going to have a barbecue on his property. And these people were just sitting in the, in the shop and they said, well, if you're going to do that, invite us too. And he said, you know, the, those ladies were really nice. And he said, you know, the world is still really nice. Maybe we need to unplug from anti-social media. Maybe we need to unplug from the internet. Because the internet, everybody's just kind of swapping blows and saying things to each other they might not say face to face. That's the problem, right? The internet's all this freedom to say whatever you want, but 
you know, people don't speak face to face anymore. So they kind of say things to each other they would not normally say if they were like looking at someone and smiling and trying to be more polite. They wouldn't actually do it that way. And it says, beware of destroying one another. We're kind of, we're really kind of kicking against the fabric of our own society by destroying one another. It's really, to me, it's really kind of crazy. Maybe I'm just overreacting as usual. I don't tell you what to think. I ask you to think about what I tell you. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. So the Holy Spirit is now our guardrail, right? The, guard, the law was our guardrail before, right? The narrow path is love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, self-control. That's the narrow path. And the guardrails we had before were there 10 commandments. But now those guardrails have been taken down. But now it says the Holy Spirit's going to guard you. The Holy Spirit is your guardrail to keep you on the narrow path, right? This, that, that you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. So we still have the old man of sin. We're being, we're being tempted every day by what people say, the movies that are on, what people wear, you know, by, by all these pictures. Look at me, look at me, look at me, look what I've done. Proud, pride, ego, narcissism, entitlement. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. I tell you, if you're a Christian, you're going to get tempted even harder, I think. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. There's, there's a civil war going on. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. Well, now I feel better. That's why I seem to be a civil war on two legs. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you're not under obligation to the law of Moses, which I guess is another way of saying sin. Right? And, and I think I'm going to read a passage in the Bible that when I was first studying, I was like really shocked by this passage and I, I might have read it before. So if I can find it really fast, hopefully I can. Sometimes when I, so I know it's in 1 Timothy. So it says, it said here, you're not obligation, you're not under obligation to the law of Moses. So it says here, 1 Timothy 1 verses 8. Now we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully, understanding this, the law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane, for those who strike their fathers and mothers or, mur or murderers, the sexually immoral, people who practice different lifestyles, enslavers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine. So I think that's what the law of Moses is. It's the guardrails. It's the old covenant. It was there for a reason. It was a tutor, but it got taken away now. It got taken down. You don't live by the guardrails anymore. You live by the narrow path. And, and that has its own discipline, which is the spirit. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Oh, okay, now th this is the part that's not the fruits of the spirit. So this to me is what's going to happen in this world. More contention, more fighting, more tussling, more unhappiness, more emptiness, more fatigue as people battle each other. As you know, it, it's like it's like gladiator games. People are not working together anymore and disagreeing in an agreeable way. Now they're disagreeing disagreeably and fighting and arguing. It takes energy to do this. It takes and it sucks the it sucks the the happiness right out of you. It says when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear: sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling. Jealousy, outbursts of anger, self-ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. 
One guy said some people have great marriages, um, great weddings, but lousy marriages. Can you imagine two people coming together and trying to be married and they're like this? What an unhappy marriage. Marriage is supposed to help synergy, helping each other. And it's not. It's actually all of this. In friendships and marriages and relationships that we have with other people, with our own children. Man, I, I really didn't expect all these things to happen. Although I used to say to myself, ah, the, the Lord's coming. Is it going to happen in our day? And then to be pictures of Jesus coming in the clouds and... He's got a sickle in his hand. It's angels and the whole sky is dark and there are people looking up and they got suits on, right? But yet the whole world is bleak and there's like fire hydrants all smashed and there's cars that are overturned and the building has a fire. Yeah, you know what? I didn't just look at the picture in the middle. I actually looked at the periphery too. And it's like, how come that guy's got a suit on and he's so well-dressed, but everything around him is totally destroyed? That was the pictures that I sort of grew up with. Jesus coming back. Like, I didn't grow up with the, the rapture, with all due respect to those who did. I grew up with Jesus comes once. And I, and I, kind, of, I kind of said that is my preference, but out of respect and humility and meekness, I, I'm a meek guy, just ask me, in my humble opinion. No, I'm just kidding. Out of meekness, I'd have to say, I really don't know, but that's, that's what I grew up with. Um, it seems that that's... that's What's going to happen to mankind the closer we get to Jesus' coming? Let him who is holy be holy still. Let him who is filthy be filthy still. I know that I'm not saying something that's really positive or encouraging. I'm not really sounding very cool. I'm sounding very negative. I'm sounding very bad even to myself. And if you've had a hard week and then you have to hear somebody like me, some guy you don't even know, you know, who's not even a minister, saying these things, you're going, yeah, why? I don't need to listen to you. No, you don't need to listen to me. No, I just, wanna, I just want the Lord to show me what's true. I want the Lord to show me so I can at least have an opinion. But the Lord may show you something you have a different opinion. Let's, let's be very clear here. The Lord is going to reach your mind and show you things based on what, how your mind reflects his light. But it seems that without God, these negative emotions, selfish ambition, dissension, division... Envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. I, I go back to the old Star Treks, you know, when um, I think it was uh, Spock. And I think he went, um, I don't remember exactly the episode, but I think it was where he was shown, or something happened where he had emotions. And he said, these emotions, I, 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 find, them, I find it very distasteful. And Kirk is sitting in his chair with his, you know, Kirkies. Well, this is how the human race used to be. Uh, we had wars and fights and battles till we conquered it and became a race. A, the human race achieved world peace at last. So in their federation world in the 23rd century, whatever it is, the human race has achieved um, galactic oneness with the spirit by itself. But when you look at this, these verses, it seems like they can't. Because without God's Spirit, you can't achieve this. And without God's Spirit, you cannot be in the kingdom of God. That's what the Scriptures is. The scriptures are saying this can only be achieved by somebody who has God's Spirit living in him and is willing to surrender his life to God's transformative Spirit. Verse 22, the whole, uh, now the fruits of the Spirit. 
But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. That's why I wrote this down and put it on my wall. Because to me, the new covenant is the covenant of the spirit, of the heart. And these things, even though it doesn't call them commandments, I think this is our commandment. This is what God wants us to be like. Being, maybe for some people, some people are very joyful and meek. But, you know, like people, some people like me, I got a big mouth. I, I get frustrated really easy. I lose control and I say things um, in a tone and words that, that I'm not proud of. You know, this is, this is a sin for me. I need God's grace. I need to conquer this. There is no law against these things. I just kind of call it a law. I was just trying to resolve it in my mind. I was trying to resolve it to sort of understand the difference between the old covenant and the new and the new covenant. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Jesus said, "Take up your cross and follow me. Take up take up all these things that are your old man of sin and keep battling them and keep nailing them to the wall so they don't fight and struggle anymore." It's not easy, is it? It's not easy letting God's Spirit in. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit leading in every part of our lives. I don't tell you what to think. I ask you to think about what I tell you. I think I'm being pretty, pretty honest here and as transparent as I can be. I'm not interested in religion, folks. I'm not interested in hermeneutics and all these kind of doctrines like I was before. I'm interested in living an overcoming life. And I'm just not there yet. Verse 26, let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. Let's not. Let's help each other. God bless.